Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. True Hauntings is a Frightfully Good production. If you were going to be writing a crazy story about a dusty one-horse township and the people who live there, you couldn't do much better than the story of the Armagosa Opera House and Hotel in Death Valley Junction, situated along the Nevada-California border in the USA. In 1967, Marta Beckett, a former Broadway dancer, headed out west with her husband on a one-woman tour. By the time they got to Death Valley, their car blew a tyre and the rest, as they say, is history. Do you believe that a site can call out to a special someone to own it? Even if that special someone lives hundreds of miles away? Well, so it seems that this is exactly what happened in the case of the Armagosa Opera House and Hotel. Is there a spirit in the building that called out to Marta? Who might that be? Who else has come to reside at the Opera House and Hotel? Oh, there are so many questions about this place. Hi, I'm Renata. And I'm Anne. And in this episode of True Hauntings Podcast, we take a seat in the front row of the Armagosa Opera House and we are there for opening night, the true story of how this place came to exist. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the centre of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Welcome back to the studio, Anne. Hello, Renata. I'm, I'm in a mood. 
Okay. I'm just warning you now. Okay. I'm in a mood. Okay. I have my cranky pants on. <laughs> and you even had a good night's sleep last I night. I did. And mm. I think that's the problem. Like I had a nine hour sleep and I've been struggling to get more than four hours a night. Mm-hmm. And I had a nine hour sleep and I've woken up so cranky. No, you're guilty. It's, it's no, guilt. No, there's no guilt. I, I think what it is is my body has gone, oh, we've had a chance to do some patching up and healing and we're going to use all the energy and resources she's got to get some healing done and I've just woken up going <laughs> sleeping is overrated <laughs> oh yeah but um oh and look there's been a few things that have set us off hasn't there really just a few just, just a, a few. few yeah and look it's it's nothing out of the ordinary this has happened over the years uh, and this is what happens when you run a a business and a business as quirky as a a ghost tour business or a paranormal investigations business whatever you'd like to call it uh, when you reach out and you knock on doors at your local in your local city and you do it very respectfully and, and you ask for a site to be made available for you and we're happy to pay and you've worked there before in years gone by and now they say no or or, or, or they charge thousands or they or yeah or they charge thousands and then when you think you've got the thousands that they're charging you, they've gone, oh, hold on, we've got a couple of more things we'd like to add to that. You've got to have a couple of staff members there and they need to be paid a minimum amount of time at some ridiculous amount. And you don't need those type of specialised people when you've got six people in a venue walking around. It's not even a public tour. It was just six people in the location, walking around for four hours, and it was going to be close to $3,000. Yes. That's stupid. Yes, yes. And, like, we were so close. We were so close to making this happen, and it was just that little bit of extra, well, I'm going to call it greed, which tipped it over the edge. Mm. And we were just going, no. Yeah, no. No. We don't make that sort of money. Yeah. And uh, can't justify um, doing that for that. (laughs) And, it look... This was one-off. We knew it was going to be a one-off. I have worked there before. Um, I worked there probably about seven or eight years ago doing tours. It was fabulous. We had a wonderful guide to take us through. Only one person. Yep, that's all it Who opened the doors, walked around with us, closed the doors. We corralled everyone else, and these were public tours and everything. And um, this person no longer works there. Oh, wait till I send him a message. (laughs) 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 But um, it, it, it kind of defies logic when you're trying to bring um, a, an event to a site and that site says, no, we, we kind of don't want your money. Particularly on a night where they've got nothing. Yes, yes. Um, I understand it's heavily used really between Wednesday and Sunday, mm-hmm. but Monday, Tuesday night's dead, nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing mm-hmm. happens. It's it's money for jam. Yeah, and this, this is also a site where I was hoping to be able to do some tours, so I just don't think I'll even ask because no. if, if, you know, and a price like that comes up, how much am I supposed to ask people to pay to come in? And I think people who buy tickets don't understand this about uh, groups who are doing what they kind of think, well, oh, you're only doing a ghost tour. You know, what? What? why should we be paying so much for this? Yeah. And it's it's always quite interesting when people call and they say, oh, can, can you, can I hire this site? Just me and you guys. <laughs> and we go, yeah. It will sure. cost. Sure. It'll cost, it'll cost a lot of money. Oh, how much? Oh, a couple of thousand. Uh, what? 
Well, that's not even haven't going. We, haven't that's we, not going into our pocket. Have, haven't we just basically said that about like it's going to cost a couple of thousand to do that tour, and we're whinging about it? So it, it, hang on. <laughs> no, because I remember when this site was peanuts yep. for me. Yeah. Pre-COVID. Um, it, it was. It was something that was given generously by the the local establishment mm-hmm. um, as a as a, a way of allowing the local people in uh, and to provide them with something very, very different to do. Yep. Yep. So something different. They've, they're coming in. They're seeing one of the jewels of um, the, the city. Uh, they're exploring the past. It's historic, all of this sort of stuff. And then, no, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Um, and this happened a couple of years ago when I applied to do tours there and they put me through a whole rigmarole of a 20-page document asking me to give them a good reason why I should be there. <laughs> and, like, if you think about it, if we had that venue and we charged – we brought on 30 people for a tour – at $100 each, that is absolutely no money for our time at all and people would be complaining at how expensive it is. Mm, yeah. yeah. And that, that would just be covering costs. Yeah. And in many ways, um, and look, this may well be very different in other countries, but in Australia, this is a difficult thing because in many places in Australia, ghost tours are still frowned upon. They're looked mm-hmm. upon as something that may dispel clientele, that may yeah. not bring clientele to a venue yeah. rather than being a draw card for that venue. And they're worried they're going to upset some people with um, yeah. religious biases that might think we're doing devil worship in there. Yes, yes. Mm. Oh, you're just adding to my cranky pants, Renata. It's not helping. <laughs> but on the on the bright side, on the good side. Always um, look on the bright side. Of we do have another venue that has become available to us for a one-off. And that particular person has been as generous as all hell. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Come on in. Do but, anything you like. Come and, and have a chat and yeah, have some cheese and bickies yes, with us. and yes. <laughs> And... Unfortunately, this isn't in our local city. We have to travel to go to it. So there you go. There you go. That's our whinge for the day. But as I said, we do have a great site to go to next week. I'm I'm looking forward to to it because I have not been there before. Me neither. And we get an overnight stay as well. Yes. And um, there are a few more tours before you go on holidays, Miss Anne. Yes, I'm off Friday week. Um, What day is it today? Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So Tuesday, Monday. I can't remember. It's Monday. (laughs) It's Monday. Oh, dear. Uh, So, yeah. No, it's Tuesday. I don't don't know anymore. Tuesday. Well, for those I who, yesterday. For those who uh, saw our last YouTube for Diary of a Ghost Hunter, I think it was episode 10, um, there was an Easter egg at the end of that where I um, we were recording and I couldn't remember what show we were recording. <laughs> <laughs> so I put that as an outtake at the end. Uh, oh, dear. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> we're getting old. Uh, All right. Um, shall we get on with yes, this? Because this stop is whinging. fascinating and you have been here and I want to hear have. your stories yes. because I may not get there, but I think it's a fascinating place. All right. Coming from the tacky, phony glam of Las Vegas, the Armagosa Hotel was an oasis to us. 
Two of my close friends and I had been on a road trip for nearly two weeks by the time we rolled up to Death Valley Junction. We'd been camping all over California, Arizona and Nevada and had been directed to the Amagoza Hotel and Opera House by our friends who had happened upon the place during a motorcycle adventure in late November of 2006. We knew what to expect, worn-out buildings with a ghostly feel, eerie solitude and virtually no amenities. This is not the place for your average traveller reading about a destination on a random internet travel guide. Most people would not like this place if they're expecting the Hilton amidst the sand and bleached stones and bones of the Death Valley. It is not for the spoiled traveller, but rather for the adventurous types who like a ghost or two in their shower and peacocks to awaken them at dawn. The quiet is simply amazing and the sunsets unmatched by any I've seen in the Western Hemisphere. You have to enter your encounter with the Armagosa knowing you might be the only human you'll see the entire evening and embracing that idea. The rooms are sparse. The amenities are even sparser. The whole area is haunted. The lights along the walkway outside of the rooms are ghastly. There is no foreseeable food or entertainment for miles, save for that bag of Cheetos you left in the car last night and Marta Beckett and her amazing shows. You are, in actuality, camping out in a ghost town. For Pete's sake, enjoy it! It was an experience, an amazing experience for myself and my travel companions and who knows when an experience like this will come along again. It is truly one in a million. Will I ever return to this barren desert wasteland? You bet. I'm already planning my return. Anne? Yeah? There are a few words in that that kind of are difficult for me to um, live with here, like the um, camping thing. Well, and, it's not and, really camping. It's just, it's deserted and there's no food. It is deserted. It's and, completely deserted. And <laughs> um, I, I, we did find um, a uh, petrol station uh, not that far away from it, a couple of miles, um, with a brothel attached to it. Oh, so yes. you could mm-hmm. fill up your fuel and fill up your... Yeah, whatever else. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's that's the whole story, <laughs> that whole... Lord, it's one of those things like the Clown Hotel where you kind of drive for, for miles and miles yep. and miles and you get there and then you've got to drive miles and miles back. Yep. Oh, Lord. Um, and we had a few oopsies, oh. few oopsies along the way, which I'll tell you about as we uh, progress through this story. Okay. Um, it was an experience I will never forget. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't and look, wait. just before we go any further, I actually want to dedicate this episode to an awesome ghost hunter and friend, Jason Geisler, who has oh, yes. since left the world. Uh, he did this trip with us with his beautiful wife, Julie, and my friends, uh, Jenny and another Julie. And um, he very unexpectedly passed away a few months ago. So Jason, this one's for you because we had such a great time on this trip. Oh. Oh, I've got goosebumps all over. Oh, no. Oh, bless you, Jason. Hope you're haunting. 
now. Yeah, please come, come and haunt Renata. <laughs> <laughs> so the beginning of the story of this building isn't terribly fantastical. Um, it's pretty boring and horrible. And uh, it was first built or established around 1923. And it was built to support a company town that was staffing the Pacific Coast Borax Company. Oh, doesn't it just sound fabulous? The <laughs> Borax Company. New Death Valley. <laughs> borax. <laughs> oh. Apparently now, you used to put it in your washing. It's something yes, to do with your washing. Yes. Now, if you thought that Borax is just the name of something, um, it's, it's actually the name of an element that's found... In abundance in this corner of the West, it's borax sodium, and it's used for everything from household cleaners to moisturisers to toothpaste. Oh. You might have used it today. Ooh. Very nice. So when it first opened, it was this U-shaped building, and it had company offices. It had a hotel. God only knows what for. Maybe when they were bringing people in to work. Well, it was the workers. And uh, I think I read somewhere that it was meant to be um, for the executives and things, but then it became for the miners as well. Mm. There was a social room. There was a (laughs) lobby area, a store and a dormitory. And that was designed to accommodate uh, all of the miners that were working at the Borax mine. So uh, it was designed by an architect called Alexander Hamilton McCulloch. Oh, I saw a video today where they totally mispronounced that name. It was hilarious. Oh, right. (laughs) And right at the northeast end of this big building, there was a common area and that was used to host community dances, church services and even movie screenings. Mm -hmm. And this is the part of this building that took Marta Beckett's Heart. Yes. Yes. It called to her. It called to her. Now, I'm not going to go on about what went on during those mining years because it would be boring as bad shit. So I'm going to head straight. Oh, now to... I'm going to have to put a warning on this episode because he said a bad <laughs> word. Um, ah. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to go to um, when Marta arrived. Yep. So. Apparently, Marta, who was, let's go to her for a minute. So she was born in Greenwich Village in 1924, and she was a precocious child, and she developed a real desire for dance very early on. So this was one little child, and her name was Martha, um, who was extremely creatively talented. So she could dance, she could sing, and she could draw. And at around the age of three, she developed this passion for dancing. It didn't help that Mama was a little bit dominating and domineering and pushed her into everything that she possibly could. Oh, stage mother alert. Yes. And uh, she really got into ballet around the age of 14, which was a little bit late. But That is late for ballet. But she had so much talent that literally her teachers would just pass her through everything because mm. she was outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding and creative. Now, she married her manager, Tom Williams, in 1962, and the two went off on a series of one-person shows around Western USA. Now, she did dance with other companies, Mm -hmm. but she always had this desire to perform her own ballets. 
Yeah, to yeah. create and to do her own ballets. And direct, I suppose. Yeah. So um, in 1962, they went off. Uh, and uh, what age would she have been? She would have been in, um, in her late 30s when that happened. Hmm. And they went on this uh, one-man tour around. One woman tour. One woman, that's it. One, one woman. Per- one person One person tour. tour. One they tour. <laughs> So the couple um, camped out between shows for a week at the Furnace Creek Campground. Oh, that, that- sounds like fun. <laughs> Furnace <laughs> Creek. Let me tell that. you. When- Send us some pictures of Furnace Creek <laughs> no, Campground. take a picture of dirt and you'll have it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Death we, Valley. We went to Death Valley. De- Furnace oh. Creek, Death Valley. Now, that says it all, doesn't it? Yep. That, that's- <laughs> um, it. It. Death Valley is like an alien landscape. Oh, it is dear. just, it's just mounds of dirt and rock and the heat that comes off oh. it and the salt plains and it. It's, I forget the the one they sent us to is called Devil Something or Other, and it, I can see why they they call it Death Valley because nothing can live there. It's just, it's too hot. Oh. It gets over fifty. Yep. Yeah, yep. think about that. That's worse no. than Australia. No, I don't, I don't want to. Just send me, send me a postcard. Uh, now, this was in 1967. And the thing was that when they embarked on this, they went with all the faith of all the angels and saints. The problem w- was that people weren't watching these sorts of vaudeville shows anymore. This, this was going into hippie territory and hard rock and roll and all of that sort of different stuff. And yeah. so it, it wasn't it wasn't the time for ballet and, um, you know, that sort of comedy. The and vaudeville. Vaudeville sort of acts. Yeah. yeah. Now, everything sort of went well and they played to very, very small audiences and they were getting tired and everything. And um, I, I feel there was tension in the there air. There was tension in the air. And uh, things changed when they got a flat tyre and they were nearing Death Valley. Oops, that would be a sign. And so they really had to stop. There was no other point that they had to. And so uh, Marta's husband went off to sort out the tyre. There was a petrol station there. Fabulous. There was also a telephone there. So they could call back and tell people what was going on. And during that time, Marta went exploring. Now, mm-hmm. that would have been me. I would have gone exploring yep. with my camera. Yep. And she ended up heading down to this housing area, this this building, which was at that stage abandoned. Mm-hmm. And she looked into one of the... Holes in the wall, peeked, oh, peeked in through glory the hole. hole. <laughs> peeked, <laughs> peeked in through the the glory hole, and um, she looked inside. And for some reason, this building spoke to her. And she says, "This is what she says." As I peered through the tiny hole, I had the distinct feeling that I was looking at the other half of my life. Oh, the building seemed to be saying. Take me, do something with me. I offer you life. Oh, isn't that amazing? Wow, that's a lot of stuff for a building to say. I know, and that's why I say, you know, we said in in the in the in the introduction, can a building call out to you? Well, we've can heard it, of this many times. Yeah, can can a building kind of take the owner and? say, I want you yeah. to own me. And we've seen this 
at places here around where we live. To Melba House? Yeah, where people have literally said, I had to have this house. My friend Anne with this, she used to call this house Rose Red and she just watched it as a child growing up and when she became an adult and got married she had to buy it even though she knew that it was falling down and um, needed hundreds of thousand dollars work on it she bought it and yep. she did it up yep so they you know finished off everything that they did but there was big discussions along the way and Marta actually said look oh this Ridge, is it. Monte Cristo there's another yes, one there's Sorry. another one yep. yes and he he did it twice yep uh, and and so they they went back to New York City and they started to make inquiries because they Marta was consumed now by this and they thought well maybe we can rent the place which is what they they thought that they they could do and they secured a lease for the theater bit of the building for forty five dollars a month plus the repairs and they they straightened out their affairs in. Um, Greenwich, Greenwich Village and everything, and in a few months they came back over um, around the time of Marta's 43rd birthday. Now, isn't Greenwich Village where we've done some stories yes. before? Yes, yes. Mm. Mm. So they started to renovate the Amagosa Opera House, which is what they called it. Uh, they rechristened it in the honour of the original settlement, whose name translates to bitter in Spanish for the areas surrounding Alkali Springs. Mm. Very nice. Not the people. No, not the people. And so they took over and they started to clean and repair the site. Uh, Tom was pretty nifty with his hands and he did things like... I bet he was. <laughs> ...repurpose the metal coffee cans into stage lights. Yes, I was actually watching a video on that today. The cans are still up oh, there. that's amazing. Marta sewed stage curtains out of red corduroy and by the early months of 1968, she was teaching local children ballet and also performing for the tiny community. So many times no one was present when the shows went on, but she would just not give up. She nope. just kept she on going. She didn't anyway. care. Didn't care. I'm doing it. I'm doing it for me. Then by midsummer, there was a really terrible flash flood and it went all the way through the opera house and there was just mud everywhere, a mm. foot of mud everywhere. Mm -hmm. Can you just imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah, the heartache. So Marta was sweeping out all the mud from the opera house and she decided that what she would do would she would repaint inside. And she had this massively brilliant idea that she didn't care whether there was anyone in watching or not, but she wanted those children that she was teaching and herself to feel that the opera house was filled every single night with mm -hmm. people. So she got her paintbrush and her paints and she went about and she designed the background. And I've yep. seen pictures of this. Freaking amazing. <laughs> she designed the background of the whole theatre as if there were um, like seats going up. A bit like the globe yep. where you've got the levels. The levels and there were people mm -hmm. all around. Mm -hmm. And these people were like a Spanish court. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, plus more. Yeah. And you kind of know the story about this. Because like I said, you, you went there. So can you explain I can. What, what we would be looking at if we stood there? So, so first off, when you are on the outside, it is this plain, rectangle, white building with paint peeling off it, and it looks grotty. Yeah. Right? You open up the doors, 
and you walk into a completely different world. You'd swear it's the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. Uh, the paint work that she has created in there, um, it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And the colours are so rich and the stories behind each of those little paintings is just so well thought out. Mm-hmm. But yes, on the back wall is the King and Queen of Spain because apparently they had something to do with the creation of this style of theatre that she liked to perform. Mm-hmm. Um, now, b- underneath the King and Queen of Spain is the Matadors and their wives. Uh, upstairs again, where the King and Queen are, to the left is the Monks in the corner and on the right is the nuns. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, if you sort of follow the wall, now it's not just the back wall. It's the complete, the top, it's everything. It's astounding. It's every wall available. She has created something there. So I love this story. Um, On the right-hand side, on the top balcony, are the ladies of the night. Mm Mm-hmm. Because uh, she drew them in honour of them, mm-hmm. because the local madam, who I'm going to tell you a bit of a story about, uh, had a brothel called Ash Meadows, and she used to bring the ladies once a month to watch Mar- Marta's shows. Uh-huh. Isn't that gorgeous? That's beautiful. Um, below in the painting, below the ladies of the night, are the husbands and the wives, Ooh. and some of the husbands are pointing up to the ladies of the night above them. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to remember if the wives had scowls on their faces. Um, Now, on the other side, there is um, the governesses who are watching over the children. Mm -hmm. And then um, closest to the stage, um, upstairs and downstairs, are the party goers, the revelers, the the drunks, the ones that are having a good time. Uh, But then also she's got a level around there which... uh, depict different types of entertainers and there is one that's a native american indian mm-hmm. and they became very popular as we know because remember we did the prague one mm-hmm. and there was a story about um oh then people might not have heard that we did it on spooky sundays uh where a native american indian died in prague and they wouldn't put him in the the cemeteries because he wasn't christian mm-hmm. so he was buried on the the water's edge um now on the ceiling there are cherubs seven doves apiece Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Plus 16 ladies, all playing different instruments from around the world to represent an orchestra. And in each of the corners, she has the four winds. Just how amazing yeah. is this? We will post photographs of this um, on the True Hauntings podcast uh, Facebook page. Yeah. You know how she was discovered? How they found out about this place? Yeah. Um, National Geographic came to do a story on Death Valley. Mm-hmm. And um, they saw this place and thought they'd just stop and have a look at an opera house in the middle of nowhere Nowhere. and stuck their head in the door and saw Marta performing and saw the the beauty of the the opera house and decided to incorporate her into their story. Mm -hmm. And that's how she became... Uh, known and famous throughout the world. And they right. say that people from all over the world come to see this place. Yeah, yeah. And she's gone now. She was alive when we were there. We oh. never saw her. Uh-huh. She was in her 90s. But, um, yeah, she's she's now left this earthly plane. And oh, I it's bet a, she's there. Yeah, it's a non-profit place and they're trying to keep it running. So it's one of these places you you need to go and support it. Yeah. You need to go and see it. It's It it would be a work of art within itself. It is. It is. It actually, um, I was more overwhelmed by this place than I was walking into, um, what did I say? The Sistine Chapel. Yeah, Sistine Chapel. Mm. Yep. So, and I got to play the piano in there. Oh, that was wow. that was a real treat. Wow. Um, I, I said, oh, I played that. I said, oh, do you want to play? I went, oh, yeah. And it got any music? Yeah, just pull the seat open, pull out what you like. So I just pulled out some music and started playing. And oh, wow. So I think my friend Jenny might have that on video somewhere. We'll see yeah. if we can dig it out. <laughs> it wasn't very good because the music was hard. Yeah. <laughs> now, it took Marta four years to complete this. And uh, she spent another two years painting the ceiling. Uh, with all the white clouds and the blue sky and the cherubs and the 16-seated ladies playing different instruments and everything. But there are stories within the characters too. So you can sit there and look at the paintings Mm -hmm. of the scenes as they are all interacting with each other and these little stories that are occurring between people in different rows and and all that. It reminds me of, is it Bruegel, the 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 painter that used to write the little medieval scenes paint, uh-huh. and there's always naughty things yes. happening everywhere. Yeah. She also had her two beloved cats that she painted into the scenes as well. Oh, yes, I did read that somewhere. Yeah. Yes. Now, Marta did perform and, as you said, this this whole thing just grew and grew and grew and people started to come and arrive and um, I saw photographs of uh, sellout shows mm. uh, towards the end um, and she was still performing She's a beautiful, beautiful lady. She really had this aura about her, yeah. this sense of presence. She had the magic it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in um, she, uh, Marta stopped performing uh, around the age of 2012. Oh, sorry, around the, the, she was, the year. She, the year she gave Methuselah a run for a month for, him, for his, they, their money. And she was 88. <laughs> 
And she only appeared live on stage a few times after that. Now, um, yes, there was an unscrupulous manager that came in in 2013 and started stealing money <gasps> and stealing no. uh, stealing the, the legacy that the Becketts were trying to oh. leave um, and mistreated Marta herself. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, there was somebody else that worked with her for a number of years, a, a gentleman whose name now escapes me. I decided not to write him into this story because I was only really just going to mention him. He worked side by side uh, with her um, doing acts and being part of the yeah. act that she she was doing at a particular time. And she felt that this person was really um, a, a soulmate of hers. He he really understood what she wanted and what she needed. She mm. was always going to be the star. He was always going to be the the second, the sidekick, sidekick. But what? However, he came into the show. It was just apparently perfection. And when he passed away, some of her light dimmed. Yeah, because it was like she lost that part of herself that was part of the performance. That's what's going to happen when you leave me, Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. I'm your sidekick. You're the sidekick. Yes. (laughs) So as you mentioned, Marta Beckett passed away at the age of 92 in 2017 at her home. That's a grand age. She is. Yeah. But there is now a younger lady that she came in in about 2016 um, and she started to do performances there. Um, And I I think I'm not sure at present whether there is someone who does performances or performing yeah i was watching this video on it and um they said that she used to perform in the same style that marta did Mm -hmm. and that's why they loved her and um because covid hit and then everything stopped they don't know whether she's coming back or not they can't perform in summer because you're not allowed to have air conditioning in that place um, because of all the painting on the walls uh so they just physically cannot perform in that building in summer wow so you only get it there in um the leading up to winter either side yeah so that's kind of me done. And really, the story is all about Marta and the story is all about the um, the the opera house part um, of this. And um, I wonder whether Marta is now one of the ghosts. Mm. I, yeah, I haven't seen any reports on her ghost, mm. to tell you the truth, but I... I can't imagine she would leave. I think she'd just be very oh, very course. quietly staying in the background watching what's going yep. on. Yep. Probably still performing too. Absolutely. Well, let's get on with the ghost stories. All right. So I, I were you aware that Ghost Adventures did this particular episode, Renata? I know that there have been a number of um, ghost hunting teams that have gone out and done... Um, documentaries yeah. out there. Yeah, I was watching Wouldn't some surprise me. videos of various ones, and there was like so many people crowding around, and like they've got cameras out, and the cameras are in each other's face because there's not enough room to move. And oh. I'm just like going, oh dear. Mm. Uh, no, but Ghost Adventures did go there, and I actually got to sleep in the room that Zach got possessed in. Oh, oh so excited! <laughs> and this was fairly early in my ghost hunting career, so this was when I was back with East. States Paranormal and um, I, I, my husband Roman was travelling with me this is before I'd buddied up with you mm-hmm. and um, 
I was I actually didn't sleep terribly well because I was nervous because mm-hmm. I still believed everything they did. <laughs> <laughs> now you know better. Mm. <laughs> but yes, there's beautiful paintings all through the hotel. Oh, as the hotel well. too. Yes, <gasps> um, uh, there was a big swan painted on our wall, and there's like. Um, uh, she'll paint hat stands with hats and coats on it and uh, mirrors and, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh-huh. So it's a very long corridor and it's a bit like The Shining and they've been very clever and put a mirror down the end. So mm-hmm. it just looks like it goes on and on. But behind that mirror is another extension of the hotel which is in disrepair mm-hmm. and I think they call it Spooky Hollow and I do have some notes on that as well. Uh, I remember my friend Jenny and Julie were sharing another room there mm-hmm. and they had their camera out and they were watching these orbs dance around their feet through the camera and um, you yeah, don't... <laughs> remember, um. this is early in my... <laughs> My right. paranormal days. Okay. But it was really interesting, yeah. like, because you'd be looking at the camera and you're looking at their feet and you're looking at the camera and looking at their feet and I'm going, this, this has to be something that's been caused by the, the camera on the phone that is picking it up. So, oh. um, yes, all right. So now to get into the, the ghost stories. Now, you, I always love it when you get a menu. Uh-huh. Of the rooms. Oh, yes, yes. So we, you can decide. Yes, yes. There, there wasn't actually a huge amount of ghost stories to be found online. It was the same things over and over. But mm-hmm. uh, there is a report yeah. of a mysterious cat that will interrupt Marta's performances. Now... Cats, I've noticed in a lot of the videos, they've still got cats there quite often. They're, they're all the house pets and and that sort of thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if um, it was a real cat mm-hmm. <laughs> that's wandered through. But, uh, yeah, that there's the, the ghost of the cat. All right. So allegedly haunting the theatre is the spirit of Tom Willett. Now, that's who you mentioned was her stage partner, mm-hmm. says Marta's former partner. Now, he's often been seen uh, sitting in one of the chairs just watching the performance mm-hmm. in the oh, afterlife. Isn't that nice. gorgeous? Yeah. He's still looking after his... his well, he was looking after her. Yeah. Now, the, the unrenovated part of the hotel that I was um, referring to was known as Spooky Hollow. Yeah. Now, this is where Ghost Adventures got access to, and there was a whole heap of weird stuff that was going on in there. Um, it was used as a dormitory for the miners during the Borrocks days. <laughs> Not bollocks, Borrocks days. Um, and also was a hospital and had a morgue. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, weird. Right, room 24. So, guests have reported hearing the sounds of a crying child during the night when no children are staying in the hotel. Now, what you've got to remember with this um, uh, location is that it really is in the middle of nowhere. And at the moment, the only people occupying the town are, I think she said, four people. Right. So, it's really a ghost town. Yeah. Really, truly. There's a building across the road from it, which is just four walls and windows, and they have, have got, like, um, costumes from Marta's days in it, advertising it. And Yeah, anyway. 
Room 30... Oh, sorry, room 24. So the reason why there might be the sound of a child yeah. is because um, there was supposedly a girl who drowned in a bathtub right. in 1967. Okay. Whether that's real or not, I don't know. Is this just one of these stories that a, a psychic or a medium has made up and and then uh, continued it on? I don't know. Room 32 yes. is said to harbour a threatening, malevolent presence that still gives visitors chills. Evidently, this room was once used, um, it was home for the mining boss, and it is known that a hanging took place in the room during the borax heydays. Wow. Again, is there proof of this anywhere? I don't know. But it makes a good story. It does. Sounds like one that um, a psychic or a medium... Oh, hang on. I think I think the food's arrived. Give us two secs. My hugest apologies for having to break the flow of that with the, the puppy dogs howling that Uber Eats has arrived. <laughs> um, we, we've actually got a seance straight after this, so we're trying to cram a lot in in one day, as you do. Anyway, we were talking about the threatening malevolent presence. Yes. Um, and that was the hanging that took place. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Now, room nine. Now, I have a feeling room nine was the one I stayed in. Mm-hmm. It's the most haunted. A number of people have reported that while they were sleeping... Something was holding their legs and feet down. Uh, People have heard doorknobs turning only to open it and find that no one's there. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's been the sounds of children giggling and running down the halls outside this room. They've also been heard. In the dining room, guests have reported hearing voices of what sounds like a group of people, especially a distinctive high-voiced woman. Now, is this residual stuff? But if you think of what this place was used for, mm-hmm. um, it would have been men, a lot of men. Now, there was a brothel nearby, but mm-hmm. not in the place. Mm-hmm. Um, is it uh, just that it's thin walls <laughs> and you can hear other people? Uh, or is there no one staying there and you can still hear this noise? Mm. Yeah. Uh, other activities include, I love that, other activities include strange noises coming from the walls. Yeah, Shadows that are often seen dancing across the stage. The sounds of footsteps crossing the room in the night and coming down the hallways. A scent of lilacs. Ooh, oh, lilacs. Lilacs, that's old lady it's perfume. Very, very nice. <laughs> Uh, and showers that seem to turn themselves on and off. I, the room we stayed in, the shower was sort of often a separate little room that you then walked out to the balcony. We actually did some table tipping on the, the outside balcony with the big metal tables that were there. It was fabulous. Oh, oh nice. <laughs> uh, but it is well known there that um, people will pack their bags in the middle of the night and just leave. So th- there's also speed, supposed to be the spirit of miners. Um and oh, what else was there? Oh, now, hang on, I've got a I've got notes everywhere. I end up in a mess all the time. Oh, hang on, room fourteen and fifteen. I didn't talk about them, did I? Now, room fourteen and fifteen are supposed to be quite active with a ghost who likes to move items around and make odd bumps and knocks during the night. Uh, now, what else we got there? Room tw- we did room twenty four. We did room thirty two. We did room nine. Oh, apparently the um. Uh, room nine 
has a reputation for paranormal activity. Many guests have woken. Oh, I thought they were saying that they were having their legs amputated. Sorry, I read that wrong. <laughs> Damn. Oh, what is it? That would have been a good haunting. <laughs> just holding the legs down. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, no. I can smell the food. It's making me distracted. <sighs> now, oh, this is the one I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Shotgun Kitty. <gasps> Shotgun Kitty, that Isn't sounds that, good. That's yes. such a good name. Yes. Uh, so she is a female spirit that uh, is supposed to haunt there. She has mysterious scents, that appear, uh, scents, as in smelly stuff, that appear for no reason. Now, I thought I'd look her up mm-hmm. and find out a little bit more about Shotgun Kitty because uh, the name fascinated me. And boy, didn't I find out some fun stuff about her. Um, She's a character. So her name was, uh, maiden name was Marbaker. Now think about that. Marbaker? M-A-R-B-A-K-E-R. Marbaker. And you think of the Ma Baker. Yes. Da, 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 wow. Da. Yeah. Okay. Um, she did have several husbands. She first off married Robert Tubb, then Jesse Wiley, then Charlie Kilgore. She had four sons. Um, now, let me find out where she gets into here. Her father was a farmer and served during the Union Army during the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, she was married in about 1865. Um, oh no, her parents were married in 1865. She had some, at least some education, was able to read and write. Um, now, I think it goes on to say that she ended up owning this area and uh, her husband died and she worked the area. There was a property there and... Um, they took a, uh, a, pl- a wagon to Ash Meadows. Oh, God, I'm all over the place. Hang on. Let me get my thoughts together. Right, I've got my act together now. Mm-hmm. Haven't eaten yet, but the food smells good. <laughs> Am I making sense? Yes. Go, go on. <laughs> Keep going. All right. So. Yes. She married. Yes. Bob. Bob. <laughs> they had their first two children, Leon and Robert, and this was in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Um, they were born in Crown King, Arizona. Bob had been running freight lines from the Crown King to Las Vegas. Uh, he found a piece of property to the northwest west that he liked, and the family headed west in a covered wagon. Oh, my gosh. In the 1900s. Arriving in Ash Meadow, which is Nevada, Death Valley Junction, California. So it's right on the border around about 1907. So this is uh, the Lila C. Borat deposit was discovered nearby that you were talking about the um, that stuff. Borax. Borax. Um, and they decided to fill, uh, sorry, file a homestead claim on the land and it's at the spur of Death Valley Junction and built a saloon a grocery store, a hotel, and... A theatre? Brothel. A brothel. Yes. Right. Uh, There must be a brothel. Yes. So this is Mm -hmm. the Ash Meadows brothel that I think Marta is referring to that the girls used to come and visit. Now, let me tell you something about brothels in this area. Yes. They are bound. (laughs) I've never seen anything like it. You know how here in in our little town, a brothel is very discreetly hidden with a yes. side entrance and a yes. little red light. Mm-hmm. These are big ranches. Like the the thing that was next to the 
the fuel station was a massive big ranch thing. Right. And then when we were driving out of, and that's a whole story, driving out of Death Valley, yeah. um, we passed this big one with a sign that says the Love Ranch. Uh-huh. And they were looking for a handyman. <laughs> Roman was keen to apply. I said, no. I've squirreled again, haven't I? It's all right. We've got a photo of that with Jenny in front of the sign. We'll pop that up as well. Um, yeah. Oh, Lord. I'm pretty sure it said Dennis Hopper's Love Ranch. <laughs> Let me tell you about the car trip out of there. Anyway, so um, she... she uh, uh, yeah. had ran into a bit of trouble and she became a bit of a cranky lady and mm-hmm. then lost mm-hmm. everything there for a while. Mm-hmm. She earned the nickname Shotgun, Shotgun Kitty because she never went anywhere without her shotgun. It was always within reach in the house, in the car or in the outhouse, even carried it into the bars and no one would challenge her because she was such a good shot. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a story once that... Um, Somebody had come over for dinner and she said, do you want goose, duck or pigeon? They went, oh, duck. So she pulled out a gun, shot it. The duck fell to the ground and said, there's your dinner. Go get it. (laughs) (laughs) How's that for a character? Oh, no. Um, She was so good that she could actually, she'd wait for the geese to fly past and then she'd line them up in the sights and she'd shoot them as they're flying past and take their heads off and they'd like come falling to the ground. Okay, that was one woman yep. with an anger yep. issue. So she worked as a cook in various hotels and cafes at Death Valley. Um, and she also raised horses at a ranch. Uh, became something of a tourist attraction because visitors at the nearby brothel or tourists um, would have heard about her and they wanted to come and, and check her out and say hello. Mm-hmm. Um, and she would receive postcards addressed to Shotgun Kitty. Besides having a violent temper, Kitty was reported to be very observant and vigilant woman, always checking out the area around her with her car and frequently finding coins. Once even found a diamond ring. Oh. (laughs) She was said to be a very spiritual person, even though somewhat cranky and good at killing things. No, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Although she did not follow any organised religions. (laughs) Um, She also had her own system of medical remedies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, She's a wise woman. Mm -hmm. Uh, Included liberal use of topical kerosene for wounds (laughs) and urine for superficial skin (laughs) conditions. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, dear. dear. She died in 1957. So that that can't be her brothel that was... uh, I mean, it could be the same brothel. But um, it mustn't have been her that was bringing the, the girls there to see mm. Marta's shows. But mm. she succumbed to complications of her obesity at the end, oh. came quite ill during a severe flood and had to be taken to hospital where oh. she died. Oh, oh wow. Oh, what a character. But oh. she apparently haunts the place, so I'd be very careful of her. <laughs> Sorry, I cut you off there, Renata. Uh, the what I wanted to finish up with is the um, reports from the ghost adventures, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because there's a great site that uh, allows you. I think it's fandom or something, and they give you a summary of what happened. Mm-hmm. Now I can't say anything happened for me. Mm-hmm. I did notice that the floors were very uneven. 
and there were trap doors in some of the locations in the floor. Okay. Um, if I remember correctly, Jason did lift up one of those trap doors and had a look and it was just pipes and cobwebs. Uh, so Aaron claims in the middle of the day that while in the spooky hollow, which is the unrenovated part, he saw a full-bodied apparition of a painter. Right. Um, oh, physical contact. Oh, in walking through the boss man's room, Zach got goosebumps. Oh, that's that's paranormal evidence for you right there. <laughs> but they did hear lots of what you call residual noises of screaming, um, banging. Mm-hmm. I, I think they probably need to add a little bit more information other than just banging. Mm-hmm. Uh, doors creaking, moaning. They might go with the banging. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, doors slamming, thudding. And look, it, it really is a very old place. And if there's anyone else staying there, you would hear everything. Now, they got lots of EVPs. Did they? Yeah. Ooh, a, a grade a, EVPs? Oh, I don't know. They had, um, do we have to? And the next one was, all the lights are off. Uh-huh. And I always love these ones when we get this on the spirit box. Behind you. <laughs> Demon. Another one, it was fun. I seek help. Another one that says, damn it. <laughs> Need some help? No one cares. <laughs> no one cares, <laughs> Zach. No one cares. No one cares. Now, there oh. was, uh, using their thermal camera, and I do remember this, they capture a red figure in the door frame leaving a room, um, and when they sort of blew it up and had a good look at it, they could see the distinct nose, chin, and lips. Uh-huh. So that's interesting. Yeah, I find that very, sort of thing yes. interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, now... Zach feels his body go numb in the same place that a, a worker went numb. Numb, numb. <laughs> All right, there is the room nine, which became locked. They checked the doors and they're both locked. They had to come out and the main room door was unlocked. Um, and I remember that happened on the video I was watching on YouTube for this big group that was going through. They, the door would lock and then they couldn't get it unlocked mm-hmm. and they had to go around the other room and, mm-hmm. and get it open. Mm-hmm. Now... Possession is the title of this one. Yes. Zach started getting a feeling of discomfort, dizziness and nausea. And he believes that something was inside him. And also when he coughed, Aaron and Nick noticed it was not the same way he usually coughs. What a load of bullshit. (laughs) That was an EVP. I think I just heard an EVP. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I... I was in awe when I went to this place. I went, oh. Um, <laughs> you, were, you went, oh. I sat on the bed in that room and I've, I remember going, oh, my God, Zach sat here. I was having a fan moment. I've learned so Had, much. Hadn't been washed since Zach was <laughs> there either. Uh, it, look, the place is quite clean considering how old it is. They've got yep. a gifty shoppy. Oh, do they? And I bought a pen mm-hmm. and it had, you know how you have snow globes? Mm-hmm. Well, this was like a snow globe pen. Uh-huh. It had a long, thin bit on the side, um, which had the stage of the Armagosa uh, with a ballet dancer that would slide back and forth oh. along. So I've still got it somewhere. Oh. I'll have to see if I can dig it out and find it. Mm-hmm. But it was really cute. Um, is it haunted? I think so. I, I reckon it I, I would think be. It is. Um, I think you'd need a bit of time. That this, this might be one of those places that you need to sit in for a little bit of time so mm. that the ghosts reveal themselves to you. Yeah. Not just because you're there and you're wanting it to happen. Yeah. Um, would you go and visit? 
Um, I would if it was along the way to something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can make it along the way. It's not that far out of um, Las Vegas. Uh-huh. <laughs> Didn't like Las Vegas. And we went to Bonnie Springs Ranch too, which was really cool as well. Mm-hmm. But um, look, basically that's that's the wrap up of this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I reckon I'd like to see if Marta was there. I would too. I pay a, my respects to her. Yeah, I'd do a really long session to try and connect with Marta. Yeah. All right, well, that wraps it up Okay. for this week's episode. Fabulous. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I don't know where we're going for the next one, but we'll find out soon. And, uh, guys, thank you for joining us. Please share it around. Sorry that we waffled a bit, but uh, we've had a good time. Hope you have too. <laughs> um, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube and our Facebook and all that sort of jazz. And, guys, we'll see you on the dark side. Yes, and don't forget, stay spooky and... Be frightfully good. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.anneandrenata.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidesrætter alle de der podcasts og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lytte til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.